1: Well, J.C., as John Hollinger wrote on Twitter, one team had LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The other played C.J. Ellaby for 43 minutes. And that other team, J.C., the shorthanded Blazers, the reconstructed Blazers, the G League Blazers, call them whatever you want, the Lakers embarrassed in what might have been their worst loss of the season hours before the trade deadline without Russell Westbrook. JC, as we welcome everybody in to the Ethos Lakers podcast, I am i know that I have at least a rant or two in me in terms of what this Lakers team looks like. But I just feel like it is a chorus of the exact same things. And Frank Vogel sounds defeated. It sounds like he does not know what to do. And I don't think there is any saving this Lakers team.
2: Yeah, I mean... I've seen on Twitter all all the hot takes after the game. This is the worst loss of the season. Worse than some people will chime in. Worse than OKC. Worse than Detroit. Um, I think tonight's game is probably the best summary of how the season's gone as a whole. Especially after Russell Westbrook's comments um, after his benching in the last game where he talked about how he's he's earned the right to be out there in closing minutes. Like, I feel like tonight, Russell Westbrook defenders will point to LeBron and be like, well, LeBron had a turnover in that final 90 seconds, and it's like, well, if you want to talk about players who've earned the right to, like, make those kind of mistakes, Russell Westbrook hasn't, and LeBron has. And I think tonight's game is the best overall summary of, like, how the season's gone and how perplexing it is that it's just not working. Like, nothing they try is working. New lineups don't work taking Avery Bradley out, putting Trevor Reason in the starting lineup doesn't work. Like, nothing works. Nothing works. There is no world in which
1: Avery Bradley should be playing 36 minutes, I would just like to say. Now, laying, laying blame at the feet of Avery Bradley... Stanley Johnson, Taylor Horton Tucker, or literally any player not named LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Russell Westbrook, is a fool's exercise, like I said recently. But sitting here, it is just laughable what this team looks like. It is unbelievably sad. I, I feel frustrated. I feel sort of like almost robbed of the experience as as a As a consumer of good basketball, because it is the same script over and over. And listening to Frank Vogel in the postgame, JC, I mean, he just sounds like a coach who is so done. And, And I said on a previous episode, I said, look, sometimes you just make decisions that don't work. And I still stand by that, right? Like, this is just the decision that they chose. And they all chose it. This is really the important part for me, right? LeBron signed off on it. AD signed off on it. Palinka obviously executed it. Ownership signed off on it. Like You can't just sit here and individually blame Westbrook because we all knew the issues with Westbrook's fit. We all knew. And you had to build a roster that was going to support that. And the Lakers fell short in that regard. So, yes, Russ is part of this problem, but everybody on this roster has some sort of shared responsibility in this problem, and especially LeBron James and Anthony Davis, especially Rob Palenka. And overall, as a team, JC, I mean, we've said it all season long, the effort, the, the lack of effort from these guys, it is like the replacements when Gene Hackman runs across the field and the and the interviewer asks him, you know, what does this team need? And he just points to his heart with the rolled up paper, right? He just – right on his chest, JC. He's like, you got to have heart. This team has so much Martel but absolutely no Falco. And I don't understand that for a team that's supposed to have urgency in terms of not only winning a championship – but building some level of cohesion now basically three quarters of the way into the campaign here.
2: Yeah, and I mean I do think ultimately it I mean, I feel like Palinka skated by for so long because he was he was Kobe's boy, but I think ultimately it does come down to him. Like, yeah, LeBron signed off on these things, but I, I get the feeling that when it came to constructing this roster even as soon as Frank Vogel got here, the conversations had to have been somewhere along the lines of, "Well, you were our fourth choice down the line, so we're not really going to let you give us input on the type of players that you want. You're going to make it work with the players that that we build this roster around." And so, yeah, Vogel probably sounds defeated because he's not, he hasn't had, he probably hasn't had very much input into the roster he was given, and I I don't think he's the biggest problem the The lack of effort you can point to to Frank Vogel because that does come from coaching, but I mean the lack of effort could also just be a result of the lack of cohesion, which would do is due to bad roster construction.
1: We sat here before the season and said, Look, Frank Vogel is a defensive minded coach he does best." with defenders, which this roster is not full of. It is full of offensive-minded players. And the Lakers were basically making a bet that they could beat teams 135 to 128. That has not happened, especially as some concerns, as so many wanted to highlight before the season started, have sort of become prevalent with respect to the age of and or durability of the Lakers players. So now that we're on the cusp of the trade deadline, the Lakers find themselves several games under 500, closer to the bottom than the top, as has been the case all season, and they feel some level of urgency to make a move. Like, what sort of magic move are they going to wave their wand and say, boom, all of a sudden we made Bradley Beal healthy and Damian Lillard healthy, and we're going to acquire them both in some sort of Foucault trade, like they have nothing to trade away. What are teams trading for THT right now? I don't even think you could get Jeremy Grant for Taylor Horton Tucker. And if Jeremy Grant is even available in that construct, which again is damn near impossible to believe, given the interest on the trade market and how THT has played on a basically what has become not a questionable contract, but what could become a questionable contract Jeremy Grant is a damn fine, good player, whatever. He is not going to save this team. I do not understand why anyone would say the Lakers have to do something. For what? To change what? do you develop more cohesion through more change? I just don't understand the case for that. And for me, as frustrating as it is, this is the team, just like anyone who was waiting for Trevor Ariza to provide some sort of magic element to this team was mistaken, or Wayne Ellington, or Kemp Bazemore, Dwight Howard, or any of these supporting parts. It's just all about the big dogs, and I need those guys to step up and take responsibility. Anthony Davis was phenomenal, J.C., when he initially came back from injury the last two games. He's kind of missing in action out there.
2: Yeah, and I think when it comes to the trading deadline tomorrow, I think you – I mean, as terrible as it is to say, and 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 I agree with one of the things you were saying earlier about how this sort of seems like like a wasting of time. Like, I'm – a LeBron James fan and he doesn't have very many years in the league left and he's still playing really good and they you can't be wasting good LeBron years and so yeah with the trading deadline coming up I it as terrible as it is to say you probably you probably have to cut bait on this season maybe you can get into the play-in tournament maybe you can't but if you can move Ro- Russell Westbrook for anything if it opens up that salary space for next year and even next year is a week free aging class but like, you have to try and build next year around potentially LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, Stan- uh, Stanley Johnson, and you got to bring back Malik Monk. And I don't think you can bring back Malik Monk if you still have to give Russell Westbrook $45 million next year.
1: I would be so in favor of acquiring John Wall for Russell Westbrook at this point. I don't think. It- we think um that's as discussed as probably we'd like to think it is but i also don't think that again there is some magic bullet that is going to suddenly fix this team the problems are deeper than westbrook
2: yeah for sure like w- one thing that could happen is you potentially you could convince russell westbrook to opt out like they owe him 45 or he's owed $45 million next season, if you can get him to opt out and stretch that $45 million over three seasons, that opens up a lot of space. But the problem is he's still on your roster at that point. That's the that's the only reason why I think Westbrook for John Wall, as unproven as he is the last couple of years, might be more beneficial because maybe you can also convince John Wall to do the same thing, stretch that $40 million he's owed over three or four years, and he's three years younger than Russell Westbrook, and he's a better shooter. And so... Maybe that's a possibility. I
1: just it's 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 so JC the Lakers had nearly a 30 point advantage from the three-point line at halftime in this game, and they were only up by seven points. I mean, it's just like laughable how predictable the script is. As a as a Mets fan, there's a very specific reference that only Mets fans would understand. But if you are listening to the podcast and you know the name Eric Campbell or John Mayberry Jr., God bless you. And Carl, that's probably only for you. Shout out to you, brother. So for (laughs) me, JC, it's just I'm sitting here and I'm watching and consuming this product that is not only painful, but honestly, it's like what do they practice what do they discuss i i know i hear that they do film sessions that, that they run drills and all sorts of concepts and they discuss things and it's just like they play the exact same way there was a period in this game in which the second unit basically the whole second unit was with lebron and there was finally some level of cohesion the ball was at least moving around and it's just this it's so it's so weird to me that they can't embody the spirit of playing hard. I, I don't understand the level of entitlement on this team that has earned absolutely nothing.
2: Yeah, and I think you can point to how Russell Westbrook was talking about last night, was talking last night. I think it was kind of the first time, as as bad as he's played all season, it was the first time where I did start to see people. Specifically talk about his lack of awareness And his him talking about How he's earned the right to be out there in closing minutes And he hasn't, not this season Like I know he's a great player I know he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer But you can't be out there talking about I've earned the right to be In the lineup in closing minutes Hitting the side of the backboard or Hitting the top of the backboard Like you just haven't I mean dude, it's just like
1: Just say, yeah I've been playing like shit You know? I mean, we're all human, especially during this pandemic period. I mean, imagine imagine somebody who just had a crappy game just sitting there and saying, you know what? That's on me. I played like shit. You know, do you think reporters would really grill him? Or they'd be like, damn, that's pretty respectable, actually, you know? It's a different climate now, man. We're all sitting here advocating for mental health and self-advocacy and all these things that are good. I think people should say what's on their mind more often. But the reality is it's just like this impossible thing to understand why these guys don't want to own it. Maybe it's this exercise in psychology where even when you're being paid at the highest level in the highest rank of your field, that there's still some element of vulnerability there. But it's just like, hey, man, just own it. If you, if you have a bad game, you have a bad game. I have bad days at work. We all have bad days. Like, it's being human. So deal with it. And I think there would be a greater understanding rather than breeding this sense of, like, total and bitter resentment. There are so many Lakers fans, JC, that just don't enjoy watching this team right now. And honestly, I really can't blame them.
2: Yeah, I mean for sure. I, I mean there are many times I'm watching the games and I'm like, man, I can be playing Warzone with my friends. Like, well, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying this experience at all.
1: Right. It's just like, and if that's what's going through your mind when you're watching the game, like I would just love to see or to to know what Russell Westbrook felt like tonight watching this game on the sidelines. Right. Like, did he feel some sense of like, hey told y'all, you know what i mean? Or or was he really just like, hey man, it is what it is. It's it, it's 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 so much more than beyond just Westbrook himself. There is something so fundamentally flawed at the core of this team. The chemistry has been off all season, and it's so weird because i remember JC we sat here and we were like, man, the chemistry should be so much better. And it's so much worse. And it's just so strange to me how that has evolved and sort of unfolded. That's the sort of greatest mystery to me with this team because AD and LeBron campaigned to play for with one another. So at the end of the day, why are they not taking a greater ownership in what's going on here? That's the piece for me that I just really—it's hard for me to grapple with. I thought LeBron at least acknowledged that it, you know the Lakers aren't on a Bucks level, but anyone with two working eyes and ears—and or ears—could have acknowledged that as well, man.
2: Yeah, but even that one of the things like Russell Westbrook had been saying is like we'll be fine, can play half-time. Like he—he's one who's been saying that, and it's what like no, we're like
1: picture. Come on, man. Yeah,
2: yeah, you can't be thinking that way. It's. It's way too late for that. Again,
1: it's this, it's this ridiculous sense of entitlement based off of God knows what. I just don't get it. The, the, the Lakers, like any other team, make the playoffs based on their performance this year, not the collective uh, sort of laundry list of accomplishments in terms of career resumes. Like, that's all fine and good. And it is very impressive. But the NBA, like the rest of life, is what have you done for me lately? And that's sort of the reality of what I'm just like, again, continually mystified by. I I don't understand how this team can't just get it together. It's, It's so dysfunctional. It's so strange. It's so just... There is like no good explanation for me as to why this is happening beyond the fact that there is something just really 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 sour, man. And I don't think there is any sort of move, I don't whether that's from firing Frank Vogel to making some sort of trade or whatever it may be, right? T- to fix things. The only thing that I could see this team doing is if you want to use Kendrick Nunn's contract to get something, if there is somebody available, do it. Because JC, I, I have fully come to your side. I cannot I, I I don't think we'll ever see Kendrick Nunn play for the Lakers in a regular season game.
2: Yeah, I mean, either he's on the move, or at some point it's not going to be worth him trying to come back this season, like, because now that now his timetable is pushed back until March, and so I don't even know if that makes him tradable. Like, who's going to trade for a player who's not going to be able to be available for his first appearance until March? And yeah, it's, I mean, his expiring money is the big, is his biggest asset right now. It's just. It's And and these articles that keep coming out about
1: how, well, Kendrick Nunn was going to be a big – like, shut up. Like, I just can't, you know? And it's not a knock on Kendrick Nunn. But basically at this point it could be Michael Jordan himself and it still wouldn't be good enough, man. Like, it's just so bad. And I hate to be so negative because I really want to say there is something within this team – that they can actually show that they're greater than a sum of their parts. But, God, everything has felt so disconnected, so difficult, so muddy, for lack of a better word, that I just don't see how it improves right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, some of the the, the moves that have been talked about, and, I mean, all we can talk about Russell Westbrook is if he can be moved, because it's certainly a big if it's a doubt at this point, but if he can be moved, like one of the only destinations possibly in a place where he might be happy, not that he has to sign off on a trade, but like, I mean, New York is a place he might be happy. And if you can get a return of new, of um, Evan Fournier, Kimball Walker, and like, and Alec Burks. Sure. That would definitely work, but that wouldn't be great for the Knicks. I don't know why the Knicks would do that.
1: Uh,
2: I, why? To be honest,
1: why would the Lakers do that? I mean, for me, Kemba Walker is a shell of himself. He is—I mean—he he has to sit out constantly because of his knee. He is not the player that we all want him to be. I, I hate to say it, but he's just not there. I don't want Evan Fournier's contract. Like, sure, he's—he's he's a better player than what the Lakers have right now. I don't want that contract. I don't want Alec Burks. Like, ugh, you know, it's just so they—the Lakers when choosing West. The Lakers chose that guaranteed third superstar, quote-unquote, over optionality. They were tired of waiting for Bradley Beal and or Damian Lillard to become available. Ironically, both may have become available this year, okay? That's the reality of the situation. So part of that, to me anyway, is because Rob Palenka is a former agent, he is in the business of people pleasing, so I think there's some element of that, right? And like any agent turned general manager, president of basketball operations, whatever his title is, okay i it's just there's a learning curve there, so when you inherit a foundation that's LeBron and basically you are not gifted Anthony Davis, but you're able to facilitate a trade for Anthony Davis because. He identifies the Lakers as where he wants to go. The real test in what is in what else you're able to put together. And outside of the bubble year, it has really been a rough ride.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the things I've also thought about recently is, like, why, starting with the Anthony Davis move, like, why, I know they ended up winning a championship out of it, but why the rush needed to happen, because the Lakers had that fourth pick that ended up being Darius Garland, who's an all-star and like Anthony Davis had made it clear he wanted to come to the Lakers. And so it's like if they could have waited for his contract to play out and not made a trade, they could have held on to that fourth spot. Like they could have rebuilt that way, but they moved too fast with everything and made too big of moves. And then now you have Russell Westbrook and, and yeah, those just seem to be the wrong moves. And, you hope the Lakers did their due diligence and realized that players like Norman Powell and Tyrese Halliburton were on the move, but those weren't those were weren't names that I'd seen in any of the rumors bandied about, and all of a sudden they're traded, and it's like, well, could the Lakers have gotten Halliburton? Because that would have been good.
1: Ah, <sighs> It's so easy to sort of go backwards and play the what-if game, but the reality of the situation is that The Lakers just haven't had the opportunity. They haven't had the opportunity, is what we'll say, JC, to connect together. They have not had the willingness to come together as a cohesive unit that has allowed them to have any sort of level of sustained success. And that is the most frustrating thing when it comes to not only digesting this team but also trying to analyze it because it's it's like trying to analyze insanity where it's the same thing over and over and over again
2: yeah and i feel like i used to kind of understand how nba trades work on on some level not not an expert level obviously but yeah, their unwillingness to part with that 2027 20, draft pick. Like you've got 5 years to figure out a way to maybe get it back down the road or I don't just, I don't see the value in that pick 5 years from now when the team is this bad now.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me there is no there is no move that elevates the team in the short term and that is healthy for the long term that the Lakers should be seeking out proactively and saying this is a move that we have to make for this reason. So, guys, we've made it pretty far in this show without any sort of ad, so let's change it up for a second here. Take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. After the trade deadline, you're going to make sure you want to hit it. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Follow now. JC. We've been sitting here talking about the trade deadline. We've been sitting here discussing sort of the overall, we'll call it performance of the Lakers, although I think performance is a nice word for what has been a shit (laughs) show. There's been a lot of names connected to the Lakers, whether it's Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is there anything that you really realistically, really realistically expect the Lakers to be heavily involved in before to, before the trade deadline, which is just about 12 hours away by the time this episode hits.
2: I mean, I feel like the most likely thing is John Wall. And that's
1: really about it. If that's the most likely thing. It seems like it, yeah. Right. And so I, I'm with you, okay? I'm with you if that's the most likely thing. And I personally think it's very unlikely.
2: Yeah, I mean, but- and seeing as how well, what Buddy Heald went for, I mean, in theory, he could have been in play, but that's another, I don't know if the Lakers did that due diligence or if they were unwilling to part with that draft pick that the Kings might have wanted. Um, but yeah, Buddy Heald's gone now. He's in Indianapolis. Yeah, I, I just don't see any other... Any other possible moves? I just don't see it, but
1: I do expect it to be a fun trade deadline. I'd love, love to see James Harden for Ben Simmons go down. I'd love it. Yeah.
2: I I think that yeah, I think that's going to be funny. Like nobody seems to have a problem with James Harden temper tantrum temper tantruming his way out of another team situation especially we, this one that he wanted can we, like he wanted to yeah. put, put his name on, on brooklyn yes. People thought it was a move they did it for yes. him anyways <laughs> yes tell him jc no seriously like i was having the same
1: internal monologue with myself earlier today i'm like this is another team that this dude quit on they gave him everything he wanted and then he's like you know what i'm out like spongebob he's like i'm out like are you kidding me bro
2: are you kidding? Yeah, it was just one of the things like the type of contract that you have. You can't just say I want to go to Brooklyn. They're not going to do that for you, and they did it. I mean, <laughs> it's just so like it's so from the theater of the absurd.
1: The stuff that the that these guys go through, I just kind of want to look at them, and it's I don't even want to speak words. I just want to hold up memes and just be like, man, listen, you know, like it's just. It's incredible to me. It leaves me speechless. And as someone who has a career in communications, who I'd like to think that generally I'm fairly articulate, that's really a powerful-ass skill, JC. Yeah. It's incredible, man. So I think we're both of the camp that we don't expect the Lakers to do too much, if anything whatsoever. That said... I think the Lakers could be active on the buyout market. Should be active on the buyout market. Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan have no place
2: on this team. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, like it, it's one thing for. I mean, I don't see. I don't. I don't know what makes the Lakers an attractive buyout destination. Like they might buy out Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan. That that will probably happen, but. Like a Paul Millsap is on the move, is is probably going to get bought out and like why would he come to the Lakers like why the Lakers are in ninth place right now in the West like if I mean, you're if you're a buyout candidate to be maybe honest, Phoenix Memphis is a fun team that could attract some buyout candidates like
1: Memphis is such a fun team you know what let's 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 talk about some let's talk about some fun teams for a few minutes let's let's <laughs> sort of wrap up this episode with a little bit more cheer. Memphis is a really fun team, J.C., and I know that all the metrics say Jokic, 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 and I know there's a big camp for Embiid, but I'm Ja for MVP, baby.
2: Let's go. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've been a big fan of Ja. Like when when he was drafted, I know, like I knew that whatever team was going to get the number one pick, that fan base was not going to allow that team to draft anyone but Zion, but I knew that the better pro was going to be Ja Morant. Like, when I saw him at that NCAA tournament that year, he just blew me away. And I it's sort of like a, the feeling I had with LeBron when I first saw him. Like, John's going to be special. And this year, people are finally seeing it.
1: His athleticism is so incredible. And just his just overall swag, for lack of a better word. And I know that's like an old people's word at this point. But it's just <laughs> confidence that he plays with. If the Lakers played with half of that as a collective team, they'd probably be over 500 on talent alone. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know who is another really fun team to watch, JC? And uh, this is kind of... Not that they're like an exceptional team or anything, but they're just a fun team to watch. Part of it is because I like to be a little insane and you never know what Nick Nurse is going to do, but I really like what the Raptors got, got rolling out right now. Now... This combination of like Scotty Barnes and OJ, uh, OJ, OG and and Pascal Siakam playing out of his mind, Fred Van Vliet's an all-star, like they're a fun little team. You know what I mean?
2: Yes. Some, some of the, some of those names have been talked about being on the trade market and I'm like Toronto's in sixth, like they're in, they're a decent position. They should try to ride it out and see what they can do with this roster. You know what the Raptors should, should do? I think the Raptors
1: should think about Miles Turner. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I'd seen. Like if if you're gonna if you are gonna move a Pascal Siakam, I mean like maybe or even package think, OG really and Anobi and the other other players. You really think it's gonna cost a Siakam? Siakam. Uh, I mean maybe not. I don't think. Yeah, maybe not a
1: Siakam, man. but something like that. I don't, I don't know, but but at the same time, like you said. If they're committed to building this thing around Halliburton, Brogdon, Healed, then maybe Miles Turner is is there is there to be kept. But I, I you know, as much as I like uh, Halliburton in, for the Pacers, I, I do have concerns about the size of that backcourt. If they're gonna go, they're gonna go on with that three. So so we'll see how that shakes out. But the reality is, is like if if the Pacers are gonna trade Miles Turner, I feel like they're gonna want something back. That's more than just sort of salary relief, right? I mean, they just took on Buddy Heald's deal. So it just, I don't know. I feel like they're going to want a little bit more back. So it's, it's it's really exciting because there are fun teams around the league. It's going to be an active trade deadline, even though Lakers suck and they're a cause of so much stress when well, they should be a catharsis for the stress we endure throughout the day as a point of enjoyment. Uh, You know, it's still a fun basketball landscape to be a part of. And that's what makes it, you know, enjoyable at the end of the day, even though it's sort of, uh, you know, can be painful in terms of actually watching the games. Ha! Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know? JC, as we wrap up this episode of our podcast, the most important question I have for you is, give me your one trade deadline prediction.
2: Um, I... (laughs) Be as specific as you can be. Based on stuff I've heard, like I, I, when we talked about Toronto, I think Toronto could trade Goran Dragic's contract, basically, because he hasn't been playing um, his contract somewhere else and just to get bought out, and he goes back to Miami. Ooh, that's spicy, and he backs up Kyle Lowry
1: as a point guard there? Yeah. That is spicy. I do like the idea of that. Sort of an East Coast Andre Iguodala situation, if you will, right?
2: Yeah.
1: I like that. Okay, okay, I like that. Uh, I like that. All right, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I'm going to get super spicy with it. I saw a trade idea earlier today that I really liked, and I'm going to just elevate it. Jeremy Grant. To the surprising Chicago Bulls, currently playing without Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams due to injuries. Jeremy Grant to the Chicago Bulls in exchange for Patrick Williams and some other parts. But Patrick Williams is the main guy who goes back. What do you think about that move? Yeah, that's nice. I would love that because I also have a bet with my principal. Shout out to you, Jay, just like I said on the last episode, that the Bulls need to finish above 500, and we're going to Steakhouse. So that's the real deal. As it comes to the Lakers, JC, do you think – I mean, we said we were going to end on a positive note, so let's try to be positive. Is there a scenario that the Lakers can avoid the play-in tournament? Or do you think this team should be more worried about falling out altogether?
2: I mean, they, they're they one game out of the eighth spot, and so, you know, maybe they can avoid the play-in. They're four games ahead of the 10 spot. They're currently number nine. Number 10 is New Orleans, who was a pretty terrible team at the start of the season, although they just made trades and they're going to make a playoff push now that they have C.J. McCollum paired with uh, Brandon Ingram, so that's a little scary. But, I mean, yeah, that four-game cushion is nice right now, but... I mean, the Lakers were five hundred a couple of games ago, and now they're three games under five hundred, and so that four game cushion can go away pretty quickly. But I mean, yeah, I, th- I think I think I I don't think they'll be a lottery team. I think they'll find a way to stay in it. I just don't know what how what that means as far as how far they'll be in it. <laughs> Imagine that
1: the Lakers could be a lottery team. Actually, now four games under five hundred. JC twenty oh, yeah. twenty six yeah. and thirty. Unbelievable! Yes, that's that's update instantly. I forgot about that. Yeah, twenty six and thirty for the Los Angeles Lakers. We certainly hope that the Lakers can turn around their season, but there are no guarantees to be found here. Almost officially three quarters of the way into it, or just about three quarters of the way into it, actually, and it's really been a ride on struggle bus on the way to struggle bus city. JC, any final thoughts before uh, we bid our listeners adieu on this episode of the Ethos Lakers podcast? Uh, nothing right now. All right. Well, until next time, guys, we think the Lakers are going to look the same. Of course, if there are any developments, we'll be back with you. Otherwise, hopefully, the next time we are forced to watch this team, and by forced I mean we all know we're going to keep watching, it is a different story because this – has been horrible
2: until next Actually, time one thing: the, the sports <laughs> ethos is going to have a, a youtube show uh, tomorrow like during the trade deadline so subscribe <laughs> to the <Sports laughs> ethos uh, youtube channel and uh check out that show
1: love that excellent thank you jc for the company plug that's why you're the man until next time check out the youtube show listen to our next one and uh, hit that subscribe button because we out